That's one of my favorite songs, and it was written before I was born. Um, <laughs> I don't know why, but that sounds like summer to me. I told you last week that country music sounds like summer and freedom. Um, on the Road Again, that song that Willie Nelson wrote for the, the movie Honeysuckle Rose, uh, is one of those songs that speaks to me uh, about freedom and about life and about fun and about joy. And so I thought I'd bring it with me this morning um, as we move into week five of this series uh, called Road Trip Through Romans, uh, where we've really been hunkering down in this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome uh, as an introduction um, to them, uh, from himself to them, but also as a way for us to look at our lives and our faith and how we might continue to grow as faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Well, um, I've got to tell you about something that's happening in my life, um, and that is I have signed up for my first triathlon, okay? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's not an Ironman. Uh, it's not an Olympic. It's a sprint triathlon. In fact, um, this is not even like a major sprint triathlon. Um, I judge triathlons, or at least the thought of signing up for a triathlon, based on how far I'm going to have to swim and where I'm going to have to swim. This triathlon is great because it's 250 meters in a pool. <laughs> so this is like the safest thing I can think of uh, to do and the easiest thing. Well, uh, I kind of got into this about, uh, about seven years ago with my buddy Stefan, uh, who's a pastor over in the Columbus area. Um, he and I were training for a triathlon together, and um, when I moved, and, and we both had brain surgeries, um, it was a two-for-one deal, so we both had brain surgeries, and um, <laughs> our triathlon training kind of fell off. Well, it happened about a year ago when I got interested again in triathlon training and, and what that might look like for me, and I was up at Swim Bike Run um, with a, a buddy of mine, um, Bradley Odom, and I was talking about it and said, you know, I really want to try and do this. Do you think, you think it's possible for me to do this? He's like, oh, yeah, you can do this. All you got to do is swim, bike, and run. You can do that. He says, you already, you already bike and you already run. Or, you know, he said I already biked. And what I do is I was taking spin class at the time, which is like biking without all the danger, right? So, uh, so you go in a room and you pedal as hard as you can and go nowhere. That's what spin class was. But he's like, you spin and you, and you run. You can, you can do this, Jonathan. You can do this. So I said, all right, well, I'll, I'll do it. And the only way I really commit to things is by signing up. So I signed up for the triathlon and I went to my mom's house uh, and got her bike, um, so I'm riding this, this nice road bike. And, and the cool thing about this bike is that as long as it's on the road, right, as long as the road bike is on the road, it just flies, right? I mean, it's so easy. It pedals nice and easy. It handles like nothing else. It's, it's just smooth sailing as long as you're on the road. Well, here's the problem. I'm new to biking after like a 25-year hiatus. Um, it, it's been a while since I've actually ridden on a real bike. Um, and real bikes are kind of tricky, especially if you're not really seasoned at it. So when I ride down the road, I'm scared of cars and being run over. So I ride very, very close to the edge like this. And sometimes I try to see if I can just keep my, my wheels on the white line. You know the white line the, on the side of the road or the yellow line? You try and stay on the white line as much as you can, which for most of the roads in Bullock County means that you have another six inches of, of room to play. You know what I'm talking about? So you've got like death by car on one side, 
right? You've got sandy shoulder of road into ditch on the other side in this one little white line that I'm trying my hardest to keep my wheels on while I'm pedaling, while I'm sweating, you know, trying to avoid danger and death. And what I have found about my bike is that it runs great on the road or on the white line. But as soon as you take that bike off of the road and onto like clay or dirt or sand, everything changes, especially since your feet are snapped into it, right? So it's not like you can just jump off. Remember as a kid, you'd be biking along, something goes bad, what do you do? Just bail off, woo, you know, you're free. I broke an arm doing that one time. But anyways, that's besides the point. <laughs> so here I am, right? I'm pedaling down Burkhalter Road, and I'm just going along and listening to my music. I'm, I'm trying, you know, to make this as enjoyable as I can, and I'm going, and I'm going, and I'm going, and I sort of lose myself in the moment for a second. You ever do that? You just sort of lose yourself in the moment? And the next thing I know, I've gone from the white line onto the dirt, okay? And that's not graceful or beautiful. It looks a lot like this, okay? And here I am strapped on my bike, and I'm doing this. I'm trying as hard as I can to get back on the road, and I realize the only way that this is going to end nicely is for me just to fall, which is the last thing I want to do. So what did I do instead? I tried to throw myself back on the road, which means I fall onto the road, which is dangerous, right? Y'all, a lot of us, a lot of us, we're, we're on road bikes in this life, and we are trying our hardest to pedal them off-road. We are working as hard as we can, pedaling as fast as we tr can, trying to keep our balance as best as we can, knowing that we're going to fall and that we're going to fail, but we're doing our best. We're trying real hard to get back on the road. This is the problem that Paul addresses in his letter to the Romans. This idea that we have in our mind that if we just work as hard as we can and we push as hard as we can and we pedal as fast as we can, that we can will ourselves back onto the road. That we can somehow get ourselves back into right standing with God. This is the issue that Paul is dealing with, especially here in Romans chapter 8. In chapter 7, he said, he defined the problem in chapter 7. He says, listen, you know, I've got this will inside of me that's out of control, that as soon as I think I've got everything figured out and I think that I've got things in line, that all of a sudden I find myself being pulled back into sin and back into brokenness. I have this, this self inside of me that is so broken, so deeply flawed, so deeply flawed that the moment I think I have it all together, I find myself thrown right back off the road, right back into sin. What am I supposed to do? Those were the words that, that Eugene Peterson left us with last week, wasn't it? What am I supposed to do? Who can save someone like me? Who can rescue me from this brokenness that's deep down inside? Who can get me out of danger and back on to the right road? Who can save me? I want you to hear this week these words from Paul in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, if you have not read it yet, you need to go home after this service and read in your Bible Romans chapter 8. It is one of the most profound pieces of Scripture that we have. All Scripture is God-breathed. But this chapter, this chapter is meant for you. 
And it's meant for me and it's meant for us to hold tightly to as faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans 8, beginning at verse 1. This is Eugene Peterson's paraphrase from the message. Peterson puts it this way. He says, with the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, that faithful dilemma, that's us constantly struggling with sin and brokenness. Remember, that's the problem that Paul's been talking about for the past chapter. With the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, that faithful dilemma is resolved. Those of us who enter into Christ's presence, Christ being here for us, no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. In his son Jesus, he personally, he personally took on the human condition, entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set, set it right once and for all. The law code weakened as it always was by fractured human nature could never have done it. God, through the work of his son, Jesus, rescues us from danger, from failure, from falling, from injury, and sets us back on the road again. Jesus rescues us from the wind and the waves. We sang about that just a few minutes ago. Jesus rescues us when we but call out his name. When we speak the name of Jesus, Jesus rescues us and puts us back on right roads, on straight paths, sends us back into safety, into broad places, is the way the psalmist talks about it. If you ever read the Psalms and the psalmist says, you delivered me to a broad place, that's a place of plenty. That's a place of safety and security. What I'm looking for when I'm riding my bike is a broad place, not a narrow place. I want a broad place because I'm safe and I'm secure there. In your life, what you need is a broad place. And the only way to get to a broad place in this life is to experience the rescue that Christ has to offer you. To experience the deliverance that Christ has for you. God sees you with whatever it is that you're struggling with, with whatever it is that you struggle with, with whatever it is that you've done, with whatever it is that you're doing, God sees you right where you are. Not only that, he sent his son to rescue you from whatever that is, to deliver you from what the law was powerless to deliver you from, from what trying hard was powerless to get you out of. Jump back into the text. The law, the rules, trying hard, ended up being used as a Band-Aid. Now, Band-Aid is not in the Scriptures, friends. (laughs) That's Peterson. If you're wondering where where Eugene Peterson's stuff comes in, that's it, Band-Aid. Not in the Bible. Um, The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. And now what the law code asked for, but we couldn't deliver, is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling 
our own efforts. Simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. Did you catch that? Paul is saying that what the law was powerless to do and what we can never accomplish on our own is accomplished through Jesus Christ. And what we have to understand is that instead of trying harder, instead of redoubling our efforts, as Peterson says, and try, instead of trying to live better or be nicer or cheerier because we all do those things, instead of pushing into all of those things and straining to do more and more only to end up failing and falling, Paul says that what we need to do is embrace what God is already doing inside of us. This is where I love being a Methodist because I get to talk to you about provenient grace. Provenient grace is this grace. It's all grace. It's a special type of grace that we've named. It's this grace of God that's at work inside of you and inside of me long before we ever knew who God was. Long before we ever thought that we might even need to call on the name of Jesus. Provenient grace is God working inside of your life before you ever thought that you might need God. Provenient grace was at work, and it's at work inside of you. Even if you've never professed faith in Jesus Christ, God is working on your heart. God is in you and around you and through you, and God desires to be in a relationship with you so much that he won't leave you alone, and that eventually you're going to get to a place in your life, and you will find this. You will get to a place in your life where you have no other recourse except to call on his name and to accept his freedom and his rescue and his grace. You will get to that point in your life. You may not be there yet, but there will be a day when you'll find that your only rescue, your only rescue is to cry out to God, your creator, and embrace what God has done and what God is doing in your life. And that will be, that will be hard. Because you're not wired that way, are you? I'm not wired that way. I'm wired to try harder. I learned this past week from a heart rate monitor of all things that one of my biggest issues is trying too hard. See, running and, and triathlon and, and all of these swimming, biking, and running events, you train for them in a way that you never thought you would. You don't go out and try and run as hard and as fast as you can every time. Instead, you learn to control your heart rate. You learn to control your exertion. I'm not wired for that, y'all. I'm wired to try as hard as I can. And the last thing I want to do is let go and trust the training, and trust the discipline of my coach. My guess is that you're wired the same way. To try harder and harder and harder and harder and harder only to end up failing or hurt or broken. What we should be doing is not trying harder. We should be embracing the Spirit of God, the grace of God that's already at work inside of us so that the Spirit 
and the presence of God can continue to mold us and form us and make us into faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul goes on to say. Those who think that they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. They talk a lot, but they never get around to living what they believe. It's sort of like bragging how good, it's how, how good you can ride your road bike in a ditch. It's not real impressive. Those who trust God's action in them, they find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters. Excuse me for a second. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focusing on self is the opposite of focusing on God. Trying harder is not the answer. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores God and who God is and what he is doing, and God isn't pleased at being ignored. Paul gets on a little tangent there for a second. Then he jumps back to his main point. Because remember, he's written this letter to a group of believers in Rome. He writes this, he says, But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him, for you who are followers of Jesus Christ, those of you who've already begun to embrace what God is doing in you, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you still struggle, you still fall occasionally, even though you experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason then, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. That's a lot of scripture, and that's a lot of Eugene Peterson, but I want to try and boil this down for you. You see, there's a way that you used to live. All of us have a way that we used to live. We have a, a past. All of us have a past. Some of us have a pretty sordid past. And then something happened. And that something is the presence of God through Jesus Christ. And in that moment that we experienced the presence of God, everything changed. In a single moment, when we cried out to God in our brokenness, in our distress, everything changed. And now our past truly is in the past. And all we have to look forward to is a future with God and a future in God if we'll just embrace what he's doing. Paul, remember, he's writing to people who have already put their faith in Jesus Christ. Some people like us, right? He's writing to an established 
church. And what he's telling them is that you don't have to live back there where you used to live. Live today in a new reality, which is called in the presence of the Spirit. Live in the Spirit of God. Don't live in your flesh anymore. Embrace what God is doing. And as you do that, you will find yourself living in this new reality. See, a problem in a lot of our churches and, and a problem in, in this church, and not just this church, but every church, is that we know that God has freed us, but we live like he never has. We know that God has rescued us from having to ride on the side of the road, but we get back on the main road and we just keep doing what we were doing. If God has rescued you, live as one who has been rescued. If God has picked you up off the side of the road and put you in a broad place where there's freedom and there's life, don't go running back to bondage. That's what Paul is getting at. Later on, he'll say, if Christ has set you free, then you are free indeed. Not just sort of free, not just kind of free. You can be everything that God created you to be because Christ is in you. Christ is in you. So I don't know where you are this morning. But my guess is that a lot of us in this room, we're living in our past. Even though we've been delivered by Christ himself, we're living in our past and who we used to be instead of living into the future that God has for us. Some of us, we're still on the side of the road, though pedaling as hard as we can, getting nowhere, about to fall, about to fail, about to do real damage. If either of those people is you, the good news is Christ is here. Christ is here and is offering his rescue to you and offering you a new way to live, free of your past, into a bright hope and into a bright future, into a broad place where there's freedom and there's forgiveness and there's life. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we need your rescue. I need your rescue, Father. We need you to pick us up off the side of the road to catch us even as we're falling and to set us back on the road again. Lord, help us when we get there to live in the freedom, to live in the beauty to live in the healing and wholeness of the broad place that you've set us in. Help us to live fully as your children, not as those who are bound by anything else except for by your grace. Father, we love you and we thank you for all that you have done, for all that you are doing right now and for all that you will do through us and through this community of faith. So we pray in the name of Christ, our Lord.
our Savior, our Redeemer, even our friend. Amen.